coming up on This Week in Games, we have a series of studio closures. Sad news. Facebook announces a full-fledged portable Oculus, and I dive into what are the apps. Coming up, This Week in Games. Welcome to This Week in Games. I'm your host, Eric McConnell, and, well, we have another slow one, guys, but that's okay, because that's less time you have to hear me ramble on. So, this week's so slow, I wanted to uh, dive into a little subject that I looked into this week, and that is, what are dApps? So, dApps stand for Decentralized Application, which you could probably figure out on your own. Let's specifically talk about game dApps. So, with traditional online games... You generally have either a server running the entire validation and backend of the game, or even in traditional peer-to-peer online games, you have servers that at least do matchmaking, uh, perform services, hold player data, perform other tasks, maybe validate rules or other things aren't being broken. But what makes DApp special? So in a DApp game, the entire backend is a decentralized peer-to-peer network, and they keep integrity by use, utilizing blockchain technology. So what am I saying? There's nothing, there's no server at all. But because of the um, contracts and the decentralized nature and the blockchain technology and the inherent you know, services that Ethereum or some other cryptocurrency provides, you don't have to build any of that yourself. The most popular dApp games use Ethereum, like I said, because of the smart contract technology. The best example of these are CryptoKitties, Ethermon, which is a terrible take on Pokemon, and Hyper Dragons. So once again, like I said, dApp games do not require payment processing. dApp games do not require users to log in or create accounts because you can just use, you know, Ethereum. DApp games don't require storage fees or databases or anywhere because you can trust the integrity of what the person is doing because of the smart contract and the blockchain technology. So with that also integrity, right? The downsides, the players must pay gas to perform actions in the game unless the owner of the game is going to pay that gas for them. So action-intensive games can become very expensive. And also, the Oracle can't read information outside of the blockchain, so all the information must be put directly onto the blockchain. This was brought up when people wanted to make DApp sports gambling uh, games that you couldn't just, like, through the blockchain, read off of ESPN to see what the final score was, right? It's an interesting take that, frankly, currently requires too much user-based knowledge to get started. Um, I think when you throw too many of these foreign nouns in at users, they get very confused and very intimidated pretty fast. Another thing is that just purchasing um, cryptocurrencies like Ethereum can be daunting, and it's also just weird, especially the first time you do it. However, this is a cheap way to build a game at scale. So this game... A game you can build on this technology can scale infinitely, which is really nice. And it also provides a way to get around censorship. Cough, China, cough. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't really see this right now. The games are very elementary. They're not very like <laughs> complicated. They're 
they're really just shallow, but I'd like to keep an eye on this technology because it'd be really interesting to see what happens. You could have any type of markup front end for this back end. So theoretically, these dApp games can run on pretty much anything, right? And yeah, it's pretty interesting. You wouldn't have to pay, you know, any store 30% of what you make. It's, it's a pretty interesting idea. We'll have to keep an eye on it. Maybe one of these games can actually start making money. I know CryptoCritics set a record where one month they said $10 million was in circulation for CryptoKitties, or it was estimated $10 million. So, you know, let's see what happens. All right, let's get on to some news. Oculus reveals their first standalone headset, the Oculus Quest. So at Oculus Connect 2018, Zuckerberg announced Oculus Quest, the first standalone Oculus that has full-fledged Rift capabilities. So for those of you who remember, the Oculus Go was launched, but basically that was the power of a mobile device-powered headset, so kind of on the same level of what you're going to see in like a daydream or something. Facebook claims this one has the full-fledged capacity of the Rift, so it's going to retail for $399, $400, and however, early reports say it actually can't compare to high-end VR setups, and really, it's kind of sad because VR at this point seems like the most expensive hobby that never pays off for you. <laughs> you know, They just keep releasing crap, but there's still more crap you have to buy, so you have to buy some kind of weird expensive controller, or you have to have an empty room to play it in, or you have to buy all these games that are made by random-ass people because no big-name developers are really taking it that seriously. I hear Insomnia is, um, but even they haven't released anything like Tripway level on VR, and $400 gets you a very subpar experience. I, I feel for you VR people out there. Like, this is like constantly getting blue balled by a technology and constantly paying hundreds of thousands of dollars to get that blue balled um sorry guys sorry vr people one of these days you know ready player one right no okay vivendi releases plans to finish divesting the rest of their ubisoft stock so i covered this in like complete depth um many months ago but Vivendi famously attempted something of a hostile takeover of Ubisoft, and after a very public battle and acquiring up to 26% of Ubisoft, Vivendi decided to sell their ownership back to Ubisoft and other major investors such as Tencent. And on top of this agreement to sell the stock back, agreed not to purchase any more Ubisoft stock over a five-year span. So the 26%, most of you are like, oh, that's nothing because we have to get 51 to like take over the company. Not really, because how Ubisoft stock is set up, they actually only needed 31% to take over the entire company. So they were very close to doing it. Now, this week, Vivendi announced their plan to sell the final 6.1%, so around 1% to sell off in March and the or sell-off coming up soon in November, and the rest, the other, like, about 5% next March. And what time next March? Two days before the deadline to divest. So it's kind of like a final fuck you to Ubisoft. And why is this news? Because nothing else happened this week, people. All right, let's hop into some business news. So French publisher Big Ben buys Echo Software for nearly $10 million. So 
Big Ben is known for a lot of B-tier games, mainly the World Rally Championship Series. They've been around forever. You haven't heard of any of their games. Um, Echo Software is a string of B-tier titles themselves with uh, rugby and handball-themed games. That's right, handball, the Olympic sport no one's ever heard of because we have basketball, and then rugby, the sport that wishes it was the NFL, and all the rugby people are getting angry right now. However, Echo Software is currently working on a Warhammer clone of Diablo, so that's pretty cool, getting the Warhammer license. Um, This is Big Ben's second major double-A acquisition this year following Cyanide back in May for about $24 million, and it looks like Europe's double-A market has a new kingpin. And you know what, Big Ben? I don't think anyone's going to fight you over the double-A market. And really... Does the double A market even exist in America anymore? I would argue no. We have triple A and then we have like single A, which is like those ten or twenty dollars, you know, PlayStation Plus titles that you download. I guess our double A market is the mobile market, but not not like you have in Europe. So in Europe they still have this thriving community of like, you know, like games about handball or games about racing but only world rally championship racing so only racing rally cars on rally courses so i don't know it's it's a pretty foreign concept but i guess good for you big ben next up liquid media drops a hundred or not a hundred sorry one million dollars for 65 old school ips so Liquid media is now the proud owner of such classics as all-star baseball quirk and Bubble Bobble. Most of these are acclaimed entertainment properties, and they got them pretty cheap for $1 million, and a lot of that was in their own stock, so they didn't even pay that much cash. I think 60% was in stock. Liquid Strategy is possibly game remaster, sequels, and even video adaptation of these properties, though very unlikely that any of these are going to happen. I think the whole plan is just to kind of stir up some kind of interest because apparently their stock has dipped 83% in the last five years and they're looking pretty desperate. So with the kind of like success of the NES Classic and the SNES Classic and then PlayStation coming up with the whatever the hell the PlayStation Mini is called, um, Liquid Media thinks, hey, let's drop a mill and acquire all these acclaimed games and maybe someone will think we're worth something. I don't know, you know. (laughs) Good try. All right, let's get to the bad news because this week had a ton of bad news. So we have a handful of online game burials. And so I'm going to call these burials because we're going to see this more and more and more. And this is when, you know, online games, no one plays anymore, but a handful of people get shut down because, you know, why are they keep them running? So let's start it off. Sony is shutting down PlayStation All-Stars Battle Royale's online server. Sucks. No more terrible Smash Brothers esque PvP for you. However, six year run is nothing to sneeze at, so good job, PlayStation All Stars Battle Royale. Carbine Studios is shutting down Wildstar November 28th. So, this is no surprise because NC Stoff actually shut down Carbine Studios earlier this year. So, get that Wildstar on until about Thanksgiving, everyone. <laughs> Next up, the Barlett Jones Supernatural Detective Agency. Tron to Death is shutting down March 25th, and once again, not a big surprise because the studio closed down last March, so this is probably a year later they're going to shut down the game, so 
get that multiplayer shooter on that looked like some kid scribbled on some crap. And finally, Disney to shut down Club Penguin Island. So the original Club Penguin was shut down in 2017, but replaced shortly after by a mobile version called Club Penguin Island. Sadly, along with this comes layoffs at the studio that works on this. And I hear they're in kind of a remote area of Canada, so not really a lot of jobs to replace the old Club Penguin Island with. And, uh... That sucks. And speaking of layoffs, let's dive into Big Fish Games. Big Fish Games decided to lay off 15% of its staff. So reports went as low as the mid-90s and as high as the mid-150s, but it seems like the final report is saying 114 lost their people lost their jobs in the Seattle office. So Big Fish claims they want to refocus all their efforts on their money makers, which are social, casino, and casual games. And casual games just means social casinos because that's all Big Fish is now. It's just a casino making machine. And all they want to do is trick old people into spending money on these casino games. So with Big Fish games, Capcom Vancouver and Telltale, the game industry had over 500 workers laid off in a single week. It's a pretty bad week for us guys. But uh, hey, D-apps are in, so that's, that's cool. Well, they're not in yet. But maybe one day. All right, <laughs> that's it. Another slow week. Sorry, guys. I'm Eric McConnell. I'll see you guys next week on This Week in Games. Bye.